Welcome to Sustainability in the Air, the world's first podcast dedicated to sustainable aviation. This show is brought to you by Simplifying, which has been helping build trust in travel for over a decade. Through in-depth conversation with aviation leaders, sustainability in the air breaks through the current clutter and provides a clear roadmap for the future. It's about time we embarked on creating a net-zero future for the industry, together. This season of the podcast is brought to you by Carbon Click, leaders in managing carbon offsetting programs for top global airlines. Without further ado, here's your host, Shashank Nigam, CEO of Simplifying. Welcome to the final episode of Sustainability in the Air, Season 1. I can't believe it has been 10 weeks since we've been running this podcast. We launched on April 22nd, Earth Day. And I've had the privilege of speaking with some very smart, intelligent, and proactive and passionate people over the course of the last 10 weeks uh, and learning about what they are doing in terms of making travel cleaner, flying more sustainable, and generally you know, making uh, flying magical again. I remember the conversation with Scott Kirby at United on how he's creating a better world for his children. And that's his own personal, passionate reason for doing this. I remember Tony Douglas from Etihad in the first episode, uh, so diligently running us through how they managed to run the Green Liner program and now the A350 program. Uh, I was very fascinated with some of the completely geeked out conversations I had uh, like about universal uh, hydrogen and the different colors of hydrogen. Uh, But you know what? The one question I asked every single person was what would you advise those who are just getting started in this journey? And this episode is a compilation of some of the best replies we got for that question. Uh, Here are some of the highlights from season one of Sustainability in the Air. But before you get started, I would like you to just pause this podcast for just 10 seconds and go to the podcast platform where you're listening to this and please, please leave us a review. It will do us a world of good because it will spread this podcast and some of the insights being shared with the top industry leaders with more people your review will do us wonders please just pause for a second leave us a review on whichever platform you're on and then come back and continue listening to this best of episode from sustainability in the air once again thank you so much for your support we will be back with season two with some fantastic guests and i cannot wait to reveal them follow us on linkedin follow me personally on linkedin simplifying as well as sustainability in the air com and we look forward to being in touch thank you once again the one thing we could do is predict that there would be an end to the pandemic we didn't know when of course but logic always suggested that there would be a point where the pandemic would move to the next phase and over time perhaps eradicate itself the one thing we were equally sure with was there is no obvious solution to the sustainability challenge anytime soon. And consequently, it's more likely to be the ultimate differentiator 
of who the winners, who the losers, who will actually sustain themselves in the world of commercial aviation going forward. So I guess if the question was from somebody who was doing a startup right now, I would probably say, make this your number one priority because environmental sustainability and commercial sustainability will increasingly sit in the same sentence. It's about embracing the challenge openly and honestly. I mean, aviation isn't the enemy. People love to travel the world and see their friends and family and to fulfill business opportunities. Um, but, I mean, decarbonising aviation, it's hard and it needs a lot of collaboration. So I think for the airline sharing what it's doing, you know, about, you know, fuel-efficient aircraft or using SAF, um, you know, being, being open and honest and encouraging travellers to reduce their emissions by travelling in economy class or travelling light or travelling direct. Um, and then, you know, if you're giving travellers that opportunity to take more action through carbon offsetting as, as they want, you know, make sure that your programme offers high-quality projects um, that complete transparency around the transaction and then a cumulative impact dashboard like share the the impact that it's having um, in the world and build that community of people that actually want to take action. From an airline's perspective to be embracing this is to be engaging with your audience and building that uh, brand alignment and loyalty with your audience who care about this. You know, 81% of consumers care about climate change. Um, and it, But we're all humans and we want to connect, like Michelle says. Uh, we need to connect with one another and we need to appreciate this beautiful planet that we live on. Um, flying is a necessary part of that. And until, you know, we have new technologies 10, 20 years down the track that allow us to fly um, without, uh, you know, maybe on, on a higher percentage of SAF, maybe it's on completely new technology that doesn't exist today. Uh, until then, we, we absolutely need to rely on offsetting to help us allow continuity of the industry to get to that point. It's a, it's a hump we have to get over. Um, it's it's a total no-brainer that this is incorporated into the aviation journey. You know, um, I, well, I encourage them to learn more about it. I mean, th this is not unique to airlines. This is other CEOs. Um, there's not many that know enough about it, uh, about what's real and what's not. Um, and, and sometimes they believe they're doing the right thing, you know, when their team says, if we write a million dollar check to the conservancy fund, they'll offset 100% of our emissions. But they don't realize that what is really happening isn't changing anything in the world. Um, and uh, and so first and foremost uh, is, is learn about it. And the second thing is don't get lost in what is happening today. Far too many of them get stuck with, well, here's the cost of SAF, and I don't know where to go buy it today. Because this is should not this should be like safety. It's not a competitive issue. It should be about all of us raising the standards to the highest level possible. But um, that's that's mostly what I do. And if they don't do it, then you should fly on an airline that does. First thing, my advice to anyone when whenever there is the future involved is always keep an open mind. So that's the first thing. Um, and, you know, 
get to understand the fundamentals. I mean, I'm not asking anybody to become an expert in, in electrochemistry or, you know, combustion or, you know, aircraft performance. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, get at least to understand the fundamental trades and where what makes sense and where what doesn't make sense um, from not only a technical perspective, but as an economic perspective, an operational perspective. And, you know, once you do that, then you'll see that, you know, there is no one th solution that, you know, is the ki killer app across all segments of the aviation. Um, but you'll also re realize that hydrogen has a very important role to play. And, and you know, there's no, you know, the other thing about sustainable aviation fuel is that you're still emitting, you know, carbon dioxide at altitude. And so even though you say, I'm going to, take it out at the ground and for net zero, it's okay. You know, in reality, you're still producing soot and all the other particles and stuff at altitude, which you don't have in hydrogen. In the, that case, you're basically creating water, especially in the fuel cell case, there's no water. In the gaseous case, there's some NOx, but there are things you can do to reduce the NOx um, as well. So um, in, in, so not, in the direct combustion, you can, you know, there's NOx, um, but we, we can do stuff to reduce that. But the bottom line is, Keep an open mind uh, because uh, staff is not the silver bullet. Well, I mean, in, you know, I, I've talked about a lot of the technologies I like. I think my favorite right now is the direct air capture. I think that's, you know, super compelling. But what I'm most excited about is the fact that we're all talking about this so much, right? And, you know, there's so many great companies out there, there's a lot of investment in startups. And that's important because these are, it's, it's expensive technology. You need investments, strong investment into this technology in order to make it work. If it's going to be successful, it's because we're investing in it. Um, so I'm excited about the amount of investment that's out there. There's so, so much. In fact, as an airline CBC, we're competing with like the world <laughs> to invest in some of these startups. And sometimes it's hard to get into those rounds um, because there's some very, very compelling funds out there that are just focused on climate tech. And that's great. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the fact that we have these coalitions of thought leaders that are trying to solve these problems and really dig into the what are the ones that are most important, these technologies that are most important. I think those are very exciting. Um, and then there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of adjacent tech that's starting to think about how they contribute to the sustainability um, problem. You know, we have a couple investments in AI companies, you know, that are using data to solve these problems. How much fuel you burn, how you track and, and, and load fuel onto your aircraft, saving around the edges. You know, you need that. You need that just as much as you need a direct air, uh, you know, direct air company that's making fuel. So you need all of those things to work together in order for this to be successful. And when if we meet these goals that, you know, are very aggressive, it's not because of one piece of technology. It's going to be because of all of these pieces of technology all coming together. Well, they, first, they got to talk with people in the been there, done it category. And the, there really are only a couple ways of doing this. Think about it. We know we're starting with CO2 in the atmosphere. We know what it looks like. It's called SAF, right? Let's see. Then it's a question of what's the price to get it delivered and when. So it isn't even a – there's trade-offs along the way in the business system, but they're all the same, and they're going to have various flavors of where you spent the capital, the operating costs, what your sustainability footprint and your energy mix looks like. That's where the nuance is, right? So it's not that hard. And as far as the hydrogen goes, cool. We actually are working on some of those programs too. Why? Because I got a whole lot of hydrogen I'm making from my excess wind. 
So people say, well, would you work with us on developing, you know, uh, airline plane? Sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. I got stuff to sell that'll help your plane work. You know, I got green hydrogen. Everywhere I go, there's going to be green hydrogen around me. So heck yeah, we'll do that too. And so put it on a timeline and we'll be there as a supplier. Cool with us. We're all good. It's all about the same problems, same systems. So it's not uh, for someone who's coming along. I think if you're if you're a CEO or the financial officer is the one who's more important. Probably you're going. Let's see. Uh, most of my cost of goods sold is jet fuel, and so I don't want to increase cost. Cool. Guess what? You don't have to. Okay, a little bit. We get a little premium, but it's not a. It's not. That's not going to make the make or break the bank. What you do have to do is commit to buy the stuff. And so that is hard. Not all airlines can afford to even say that they can do that because they can, they're not in the financial strength to do that. Think about that. They can't. You'd be shocked at how many we go. Hey, yeah, take or pay contract. You got to put up your balance sheet, promise your balance sheet, or you got to put a letter of credit. They can't do that. They're not financially strong enough to do that. So it's a it's, now you have other ones who go, wait a sec, wait a sec. You mean that if you're my, our cash, our cost to produce. Is our cash cost to produce is similar to Petrojet. So, in other words, if I didn't have to pay back the plant and I didn't have to do depreciation, the actual just incremental cost to manufacture is the same as Petrojet. Okay? Those, the people I'm competing against in Petrojet world have fully paid off, fully depreciated plants. So, the really smart CFOs, they go, hey, wait a second. Your cash cost is the same at, and we're really transparent, so we just show everybody the data. Your cash cost is the same as the Petrojet guys. Yep, that's right. Well, that means your plant is paid off. You don't need any carbon credit and support. Yep, that's right. That's what that means. We figured this out already. And so, whoa, that's a that's different than what, you know, that's different than what they thought. And so we're out here. That's why we're getting business, is that we're just transparent with stuff, man. You know, it is, and, and everybody's in kind of different markets. And um, uh, we consider ourselves to be a regional airline, but, you know, we're really kind of, you know, everybody talks about urban air mobility. Well, that's us. That's us. I mean, we're already doing that. You know, we fly into downtown cores, and uh, and we do that because we can land on the water in a, in a you know, marine environment. And, and in British Columbia, it's, you know, the just so happens that virtually every metropolitan area has a has a you know a place to land a, a seaplane. So although you know there are places up the valley that don't, and 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 they're well served by you know conventional aircraft, uh, but certainly on the coast, that's you know when you when you're looking at taking a ferry for four or five hours from a you know from door to door because you have to consider it door to door. That's how we kind of you know gauge our impact on the on the commuter market. Um, or fly for, you know, for door to door, maybe 45 minutes to an hour from your office to your home or whatever. Um, it, it, it's kind of doesn't, doesn't make sense for you to be sitting, you know, on, on the, I mean, sometimes you take your car, it makes, makes sense. But as a, as a walk on passenger, you, you know, if the, if the, um, if the ticket is within your economic means, it certainly, you know, uh, time is money. So, um, so I think once you start getting, you know, looking at the regional airlines in, in terms of what their markets are and how far they're going and um, all of that, I think they're all, you know, they all have some somewhat different, well, not all of them different, but people have, you know, probably our, our companies have different 
uh, uh, missions and the uh, sort of logistics that go with being electric or, you know, or hybrid or, or whatever it is are different for, for different airlines, depending on what they're trying to achieve. Um, but, uh, but it's certainly, you know, it's certainly coming. And, uh, and, and, and as I said before, I think anybody that just ignores it and then all of a sudden sees that there's another, you know, viable, uh, disruptable, you know, dis- disruption coming, uh, in terms of aircraft, they don't want to be blindsided by that. And, and they need to be a part of it. From my perspective, I would say that you need to look at your fleet and your fleet composition is your first step because typically a lot of airlines are still flying older generation aircraft that are less fuel efficient. And so looking at your fleet, you know, you can make decisions um, on the basis of, of economics plus sustainability on what your fleet composition should be. And certainly we at Pratt & Whitney would love to have all of our airline customers buy more gear turbofan engines and, and, and advantages as, as they become uh, out into the environment. And so fleet composition and fleet renewal is certainly you know one major element for a, a sustainability minded airline executive. And then you know the next thing I would mention is of course sustainable aviation fuels, you know, finding how you get sustainable aviation fuels, how you get the pricing right, getting the contracts with producers, um, you know, continuing to establish and, and engage in support for policies on a global basis that will enable the, the capacity to build and the price to, to become more in line by creating a level playing field with, with fossil fuels. So, you know, within your own you know, governments, you know, beginning to work and ensure that they understand the criticality and the importance of, of sustainable aviation fuels, you know, as, as a key next step. And, and then, of course, the third thing is, you know, once you've done two, those two things, you know, there is an area, uh, I mean, an area of, of offsetting and out of sector elements that, you know, sustainably minded airline executives should be aware of and pursuing. Um, obviously, it's not as popular as the prior two ones, which are definitely methods to reduce. But, you know, we're looking at this and we're seeing that the necessity is there, especially in the near term, uh, to help offset our and uh, decarbonize our industry. And then last is, is, is keep looking at all the great technologies that, the airline or the the, um, the OEMs are producing both um, aircraft and, and engine manufacturers and, and, and seek to find ways to introduce those technologies over time as they become available and the infrastructure and other issues become clear. It's a great question. Um, I've never I've never worked at an airline at all, so um, advising a CEO gets a little bit challenging for me. Um, I mean, I'll say I'll say a couple of things. Um, one is that this this is largely a collective action problem. Like, even if you say SAFs are the the future, it, it's clear that voluntary goals from airlines are not going to get us there. It's just the, the price gap is too large. So, um, you know, airlines will need to advise governments on setting good policy. Um, the good is is after. I would say, I mean, I've been working on this for 15 years and for the first time ever, I would say we are starting to see pretty solid policy being set by a government and that it's it's in the European Union. So the European Union uh, is, is, uh, is proposing a lot of good measures under what we call the Fit for 55 package. So uh, a good SAF mandate, um, emissions trading for aviation, 
some will disagree with their, it, but there is a proposal for a, a kerosene tax in order to start to bridge the price gap. Um, so, um, you know, watch what Europe is doing, and we think that they're broadly doing um, good things. There are some really interesting um, sort of voluntary efforts or private efforts that are ongoing. And um, I'll just highlight a couple that we're working on. Um, there's a, a, a group called the Science-Based Targets Initiative. Uh, it's called SBTI. Uh, and that's being run by uh, several groups, uh, World Wildlife Fund, uh, World Resources Institute, and two other groups. And they are helping not just, not just airlines, but a variety of industries set um, midterm climate targets. And so there's now a pathway in which airlines can sign up to a sort of a certified well below two degree uh, temperature target uh, and uh, emissions target. And also we're working on a 1.5 degree target. And ICCT is, is, at, is leading the technical work on that. So we started to see a number of airlines. I know American in particular um, has, um, has been approved for an SBTI target. That's one. Um, the other thing... Uh, which I think is really interesting is that um, some travel search engines are starting to put out emissions estimates by itinerary for flyers. Um, Google Flights yeah. is doing Kayak, um, uh, Skyscanner, and uh, Light Flights are the four examples. I think this is a really important effort to mobilize consumers um, and give them a mechanism for rewarding the, the lowest emitting flights with their dollars. So I think that's really important. I, I, I would like to see more airlines to support that and make sure that um, those travel search engines are giving good transparent estimates to the consumer um, because I think it's part of the, the solution set. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sustainability in the Air, the world's first podcast dedicated to sustainable aviation. We hope you liked it and will share it with your network. Please also leave us a review. Awareness is the key to a green future. Your support will help our insights on sustainable aviation reach a wider audience. You can also write to us at podcast at and for more content on sustainable aviation, please visit our website, simplifying.com, and join the movement. <laughs>